This is Leaving Laodicea with Steve McCraney, and this is a podcast for those who realize that apathetic, lukewarm, flannel graph faith just isn't going to cut it in the chaos that surrounds us today. We need something more, something different. So join us as we learn how to leave Laodicea behind. We have been talking for months about being a faith prepper. Even before the coronavirus hit, we were focusing on the importance of having the kind of faith that will sustain us during times like this. And we, last week and a little bit the week before, and for the next foreseeable future, are going to be looking at this one passage of Jesus, this one teaching of Jesus that tells us more about how to be a faith prepper or how to have an abundant life in Christ or how to bear his fruit or really the whole purpose of our Christian existence than any other place I know in Scripture. You know, we we love the Psalms, we love Psalm 23, and we love to read the Beatitudes, and there's certain passages in Scripture, the love chapter in, in the Corinthians, that we kind of clamor towards during difficult times. But this chapter, chapter 15, where Jesus talks about the vine and the branches and the truth that's there and the imagery that's presented to us by this example of vine and branches is something unparalleled anywhere else in Scripture. It is marvelous. It is incredible. It's, it will literally change your life if you'll take the time not to just understand it, but you'll take the time to apply these principles and read it for what it really says, not what we want it to say, but for, for what it really says, which is what I'm hoping we're going to be doing today and for the foreseeable future. Let me go ahead and just, again, give you some background on what's happening here. Uh, When this message was proclaimed to the disciples, it was right after the Lord's Supper, or it may have been at the conclusion of the Lord's Supper. Judas had already left. Jesus had washed the disciples' feet. and, And even during that act of showing them true humility, if I, the master, do this to you, should you not do it to others, they were arguing about who was going to be greatest in his kingdom. Jesus knew that the garden was in front of him, that time of of anguish where his sweat turned into blood. He knew the cross was in front of him, where God literally poured out his wrath that was due each of us on his own son. It was a troubling time for the Lord. And so he paused, and we have it recorded here in John chapter 15. And again, it it goes all the way to verse number 16. We're just going to focus on the first eight verses. But he pauses here to give them this crystal clear teaching of what it means to abide and trust and be in Christ. And, and I, I can't tell you enough that if you can get your heart around this and see it for what it really says and apply these truths, it, it changes everything about who you are and what he's going to do in our life. I truly cannot emphasize that enough. Let's look at John 15 verses 1 through 8. Let me just read them to you. I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. 
You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples." Last week, we looked at two characters in this teaching. We looked at Jesus as the true vine, and of course, his father, God the Father, as the vine dresser. And today, we're going to be focusing on the branches, which are you and me, and what it means to abide. Chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. I am the true vine. As I shared with you last week, this is the last of the I am statements of Jesus that give structure to the gospel of John. And we looked at those last week where he said, I'm the bread of life in John 6, 35. I'm the light of the world, John 8, 12. I am the door, John 10, 7. And I am the good shepherd, John 10, 12. And I hope this week that you spend some time looking at John chapter 10 because it is a fascinating chapter. Again, when he raised Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The sixth one is found in John 14, verse 5, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, the seventh, the one we're looking at today, I am the true vine, John 15, 1, or I am the vine, John 15, 5. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. And then he leaves off the adjective true in five verses later in John 15, five, and he simply says, I am the vine when he defines us as the branches. The central truth our Lord wanted us to know in this section is the importance of abiding in him, of resting in him like a branch does to a vine. And he talks about that all through this chapter, yet the difficult part is trying to understand exactly what abide means and then trying to figure out why it's so important. From last week, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And again, we talked about what true meant. And true, of course, here, it's a contrast between what is real and what is a type or a symbol or what is perfect as distinct from what is imperfect or what is genuine rather than what is counterfeit. And so the Lord is saying, I am the real. Uh, This is not a symbol. This is not a type. This is not just a picture for preaching, but I am the real true vine. I am the perfect vine, not an imperfect vine. And I am the genuine vine and I'm not a counterfeit vine. I am all in all. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. As we move forward today, I want to look at the what this teaching says about Jesus and our relationship to him. And the best way to do that is by going through and identifying the characters here and then reading the passage with an understanding of who these characters are. 
Remember, Jesus identifies himself as the vine. Last week, we talked about what that means. The vine, of course, is something that the Father plants where he wants to, in his field, and he plants it for one purpose, that it would produce fruit. Not shade, not wood, but fruit. And that fruit, of course, goes to the Father, and the Father is glorified by the fruit from his vine. The Father works really hard to make sure that the vine is able to produce fruit. He protects it. He He builds a wall around it. He waters it. He weeds it. He prunes it. He does everything he can to accentuate the fruit bearing of the vine. Jesus is the vine, all of it, the root, the stalk, the branches, the fruit, the leaves, all of it. And God the Father, of course, is the vine dresser, the one that takes care of all that, the one is sovereign. And you and I, Jesus identifies as branches. We have the same nature as the vine. We are connected to the vine. We have a specific function from the vine, and that function is not to produce sap. It's not to produce leaves. It's not to build wood. It's not to, to, to receive nutrients from the soil. That function is simply to bear fruit. Jesus is the vine. God the Father is the vine dresser. You and I are the branches, but the key The key to this entire teaching is the fruit. Or more specifically, he talks about more fruit and then talks about much fruit. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And then the focus begins to change to from the the vine and the vine dresser to now the branches or the branch. And it begins with the negative. Because the assumption is, if you and I are a branch, a branch's function is to stay connected to the vine, to receive the nutrients from the vine, to not go independent on our own, to not be a free agent or an independent contractor, to basically perform the function that we're there for, the only function that we have, which is to bear fruit that we can only do if we stay connected to the vine or abiding in the vine. And so the assumption is that's what we'll do that we will bear fruit. But if you've ever been to a, a, a vineyard and you have looked at a vine, you will find that some of the branches bear fruit and some of the branches don't. And the ones that don't are dealt with rather severely so that the nutrients will not sustain worthless branches, but be focused in those branches who provide their function for existing which is to provide fruit. And so the Lord in verse two begins focusing on the negative to those people who are not doing what they should be doing, what they were created to do to bear fruit. And here's what he says. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit, more fruit. Every, or literally it means all, branch, which is you and me, in me or in the vine, the Lord is saying, that does not bear fruit. The assumption is that you will, but if you do not bear fruit, he the father, he the vine dresser, he the one who receives the fruit takes away. And that means to take up, to lift up, to raise, to remove. In other words, they're cut off, they're moved away and will find out later on what actually happens to those worthless branches. Every branch 
which is you and me, in Christ, in the vine, connected to the vine with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Every branch that has that relationship with him that is in Christ that does not bear fruit, God the Father, the vine dresser, takes away. He removes. And every branch, which is again you and me, that bears fruit. Now we're doing the positive thing here. We see that on the negative side, if fruit is not being borne by a branch, he removes the branch. But all the branches that does bear fruit, he, the Father, prunes. A violent, painful act where he prunes. He cuts away the dead wood. He cuts away foliage that that is worthless. He cuts away everything that takes away and distracts from the one function of the branch, and that is to simply bear fruit. If there's an activity, if there's a friendship, if there's a job, if there's something that detracts us from our calling and our mission and our purpose for even existing, which is to bear fruit for the Father's glory, then the Lord during this pruning process will cut those things away. If you've ever if you've ever seen it done in real life or seen pictures of it, he takes what we would consider a beautiful vine and butchers it. So there's nothing left but just the core, that those core branches could receive all the nutrients, everything that the vine has, and be able to focus those into just fruit bearing. Again, and every branch, you and me, that bears fruit, he, the Father, prunes. It means to clean or make pure, to cleanse from filth, or to create to the point that it's without stain or spot. Why? That it, the branch, you and me, may bear more fruit. It's not just enough to bear some fruit. It's the Lord's desire for his branches to bear more fruit to have more spiritual fruit, to to lead more people to Christ, to have a deeper relationship with him, to be able to understand his word in such a profound way, to be the brightest light in darkness that you and I could possibly be, to live that abundant life that the Lord promised us if we stay connected to him. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, twice now, he prunes so it may bear, and now we talk about more fruit. I want to just take a moment right now, and I want you to to look at how important this fruit is and what Jesus has to say about fruit just in these first 16 verses. Verse 4, we've already looked at at verse 2. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, implied, bear fruit unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him does what? Lives a holy life, a righteous life? Uh, Becomes a missionary? No, bears much fruit. More fruit and now much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Verse 8, by this... My Father is glorified. How? What do we do to glorify the Father? That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples or prove that you are my disciples. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you 
that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should not be something temporary or transitory, but your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. You might want to read those verses over again and notice that the importance of fruit in this passage. We have a tendency of just thinking about abiding, but the purpose of abiding is to bear fruit, but not just some fruit, more fruit and much fruit, then our fruit should remain that the Father is glorified because of that. I need you to, I need you to, to really think this through. The only reason why you and I exist is to bear fruit. Fruit. Without fruit, we're a branch that doesn't bear fruit that he removes. And later on, we find that, that they wither and they die if we don't stay connected to the vine, and they gather them up and burn them. It's, it's fruit-bearing is the reason why he created us. It's exactly as he talked about being the light of the world and us having Christ in us to be able to share that with the lost world out there. That's fruit-bearing. But it's not fruit that we create. It's fruit that the Lord creates and allows us and allows us, what a blessing that is, to be able to bear. The branch without fruit is nothing. And the vine without a branch to bear fruit doesn't fulfill its purpose that the the vine dresser planted it for. You and I are to bear fruit. And once you understand that that is your single purpose in life, nothing else matters but fruit-bearing, then the rest of this passage becomes this convicting, compelling commitment to being absolutely surrendered to him. Now, what many of us will say is, but uh, I, I, I wasn't raised in the right family, or I still have these struggling sins that I deal with, or you know, I, I'm, I, I give in to the flesh too much, or that's just for sold out believers, but not necessarily for me. And I have this excuse and that excuse and another excuse why I can't bear fruit. Like God will grade me on a scale or something of that nature. Christ recognizes that, the excuse part, that there's something innately wrong in us it's our fallen nature. It's our sin nature that we inherited from Adam. It's, it's the fact that we just can't control our fleshly urges or, or we just don't have what it takes to be able to be as spiritual as maybe someone else is. And he addresses that issue in verse number three. The reality is, is now because of their faith in Christ and they're embracing him as the word There is no excuse, the Lord says, for them not bearing fruit. In fact, bearing much fruit in order to glorify the Father. Now, that doesn't sound so bad. We'd all nod in affirmation and go, yeah, they should do that. We'll try it this way. Now, because of our faith in Christ and by our embracing him as the word of God, the living word, and the Holy Spirit living in us. There is no excuse for each of us not to bear fruit, much fruit, more fruit, in order to glorify the Father. 
because he has already completed his work in us, as it says in Colossians, to make us complete in him lacking nothing. Verse 3, you, a branch, are already clean because of the word which I, the vine, have spoken to you. I've already redeemed you. I have chosen you. I have given you spiritual armor. I'm answering your prayers. I have taken myself in the person of the Holy Spirit, and he now lives in you and dwells in you and will be with you forever. I am seated at the right hand of the Father, constantly interceding for you. There is nothing that you lack. You are complete in me, he says in Colossians. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Therefore, there is no excuse. And then the guilt hits and sometimes the shame. Oh, that's what I need to hear. Another sermon that just beats me down because of my lack of fruit bearing. But that's not what the Lord wants to do here. First of all, he tells us that he's the vine and my father is the vine dresser, the sovereign one, the control of everything. And we are privileged enough to be a branch, to be part of the vine, to be in Christ, in the vine. And that part that we play is being able to bear his fruit. There are requirements for bearing that fruit. There are conditions that have to be met in order to bear that fruit. Yet we're privileged enough and blessed enough to be able to be part of this divine equation. If we don't bear fruit, the Father takes us away. Verse 2, and so therefore the logical thing would do, the reasonable spiritual thing to do, like it talks in Romans 12 too, would be to bear fruit. And our excuses mean nothing because we're already clean. We're already purged. We're already sanctified by the Holy Spirit who lives in us, that we are changed and we're redeemed and we've been given everything, everything for an abundant life of fruit bearing here. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. All right. So that's the rules. That's the standard. So I have some questions. Like, how do I bear much fruit? How do we please and glorify the Father? What am I supposed to do? What is my part in this divine equation? And it's really simple. It's simply to abide. Verse number four, abide in me. Here's the marvelous part. And I in you. Abide in me. And I imply abide in you. And then he gives the example so that we'll kind of understand what that means about the branches in the vine. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Makes sense. If you go up to a a vine and you snap a branch off and throw it on the ground, it is not going to bear fruit. The only way a branch bears fruit is if it abides in the vine. If it's snapped off and thrown on the ground, it's just a worthless stick. And so as the branch has to stay connected to the vine, it says that you and I have to stay connected to him. And the word that he chooses is to abide, to abide. And it's vital, vital for your spiritual growth, that you truly understand the 
depths of the word abide, especially the way John chooses to use it in his gospel account. Sometimes John takes a word and adds to it a different meaning, like the word logos. In the beginning was the word. The word was God, and it's a picture of who Christ is. And he does the same thing here with the word abide. What does it mean to abide in him? And how can I abide in him like a branch rest in the vine? Well, to show you how important this word is, I want you just to look at how many times it's used just in these few verses. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Verse number nine, as the Father loved me, I have also loved you. So abide in my love. Verse 10, if you will keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. That's the same word for abide, and that your joy may be full. Over and over again, the Lord uses this word abide. And what does it mean? The simple definition is it means to remain, dwell, or live. To remain, to make your abode there, to live. Abide in me, remain in me, dwell in me, live in me. But in John's writing, it deals more with the relationship of one thing or one person with another. Thus, It means to remain in or rest in or with someone. In John 15, it means this, to be and remain united with Jesus, one with him in heart, mind, and will, and to remain steadfast, unwavering in that relationship. It's a whole lot more than just walking together or hanging around each other or having dinner together occasionally. It means that you're united to the point that you think the same, you have the same heart, the same mind, and the same will and volition. That's what the verse means. And the only thing that you and I have to do, the only requirement of us to have this kind of life of abundant spiritual fruit-bearing that pleases the Lord is to remain in Him. The Scripture doesn't say that it's His job to keep us connected to Him, just like the vine doesn't somehow hold on to the branch. It's the branch's job to stay connected to the vine. Because if you cut yourself off, or if you grow in a way that's not going to be fruit-bearing, the Father will come and remove you. And once you remove, there is no more fruit bearing, and the end is rather scary. But we'll be talking about more of that next week. John 15, 4. Abide in me, and I implied in you. You abide in me, rest in me, dwell in me, be united with me as I am you. 
I have given you everything, Jesus says. I have died for you. I've placed my spirit in you. I have created you for one purpose and one purpose only and redeemed you from the slave market of sin. Rest in that. Dwell in that. Live in that as I live in you. Abide to remain united with him in heart, mind, and will to remain steadfast and unwavering in that relationship, just like Jesus remains steadfast and unwavering in his relationship and his love for us. Don't you remember where he says that no one, no one can pluck us out of his hand. Abide in me, he says. This is how you bear fruit. And I in you. No excuse. Simple task. You stay connected to me, and I will produce the fruit. Second part of that verse says this, As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it remains united in the vine, steadfast and unwavering in the relationship it has with the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it's connected to the vine, because the branch doesn't create the fruit, it just bears the fruit. And the fruit comes from the vine, the nutrients from the vine, tended by the Father. The the nutrients don't come from the branch. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, the Lord says, neither can me, neither can you, neither can his disciples, neither can the Apostle Paul, John the Baptist, Billy Graham, anyone that you want to name. Neither can any believer in Christ, any branch, unless they remain united to Christ, not just haphazardly, but with their heart, mind, will, volition and to remain steadfast and unwavering in that relationship whether unless they abide in Christ. In Christ. How do we bear this fruit? It's found right here in Christ. What do we know? We know that the branch must abide in the vine. We just know that from nature. And if it doesn't, it cannot bear fruit, which is the only reason the branch exists. The branch, which is you and me, must remain connected, steadfast, and unwavering in the vine, which is Christ, united, totally focused, and dependent on him in heart, mind, and will in order to bear fruit. As unpleasant as it may seem, there is no other way. None. Not according to the scripture. Now, you may do good things, and you may be a nice person. But those things are totally different than bearing spiritual fruit. And it's only spiritual fruit, the fruit of the vine, that brings the Father glory. To make it personal, you and I must abide in Christ. If we don't, we cannot bear fruit, which is the only reason why you and I exist The church doesn't exist for its own glory, for its own buildings, and for its own celebrities. The church exists to be a conglomerate congregation of individual people who are branches and bearing fruit for him. You and I must remain connected, steadfast and unwavering to Jesus. 
We must be united, totally focused and dependent on him in heart, mind, and will in order to bring fruit. And there's no other way. So does that describe your relationship with Christ or the relationship of the church today? Are you focused on him and him alone? Or is he, like it's been so often in my own life, is he just first in a list of important things in my life? You know, he's first, and I have my job and my family and my wife and my health and and all that other stuff. But, But of course, it's always Jesus first and others second and family third and, you know, however you want to prioritize that. Is that how we view it? But according to this passage, all those other things mean nothing. Our job, our family, our retirement, our wealth, even the stuff that we do, our ministry, means nothing if it's not involved with fruit bearing. It doesn't mean we can't bear fruit in our job. But if we're not bearing fruit in our job, then the pruning process would take that away from us until we could find a job in which we could bear fruit. It's not like this secular, sacred kind of dichotomy here where sometimes we're spiritual and sometimes we just have to live in the world. According to this, our only function is to bear fruit. And everything else means nothing. Paul calls them rubbish or dung compared to knowing the surpassing greatness of Christ. Now listen very carefully. The Father, according to this teaching, is not concerned about those aspects of our life of the branch that we're concerned about that aren't focused on fruit-bearing. He's not. Now, he loves us, and he will help us, and he promised to take care of us. But he said that if we will seek his kingdom first, which is a kingdom of fruit-bearing, in Matthew 6.33, he will take care of all the things that you and I struggle with and don't have the faith to trust him in. If it's not about fruit bearing, it's a a branch that is of no value to the vine. Then Jesus makes it personal. He's kind of talked about it in third person. Now he brings it directly home to you and I. I want you to listen to these words in John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Put your name in there. I'm the vine, and Steve, you are the branches. He who abides in me, Steve, if you abide in me, and I, Jesus, abide in you, Steve, that you will bear much fruit. Because without me, you, Steve, can do nothing. We know that's true in nature. We know that's true with the vine and the branches, but we have such a hard time putting that in the forefront of our mind when it comes to what we watch on television and the friends that we have and the decisions that we make and and the plans we have for our own life to work hard and retire and do the things that we want to do and enjoy all the wonderful things this world has to offer. None of that is bad, but unless there's fruit bearing in all of that, it is worthless. It is not what the Lord created us to do. He simply says this, I am the vine and you are a branch. You are the branch. 
If you stay connected to me, if you remain steadfast in me with heart, mind, will, volition in me, and I will do the same with you, you will bear much fruit. And if you and I could come to grips with the importance of being a fruit-bearing believer and the importance of fruit-bearing and seeing the value of that, which we'll talk about next week, we would rejoice. So this is how I bear much fruit. So this is how my life has meaning, for this is how I have purpose. This is how I hear the Lord's word someday, well done, good and faithful servant. That I don't have to sweat and toil. All I have to do is remain and live and dwell and stay connected. And the Lord does all the work as I've depended upon him. And he feeds his fruit and allows me to be able to bear it. And if I don't do that, I can do nothing, nothing, nothing of lasting value. Paul talks about being wood, hay, and stubble. It's just burned up as worthless. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life trying to produce something that won't last. I want to live my life bearing his fruit that forever changes the hearts of people. I am the vine, verse 5, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing I want you to note the finality of what he's saying. Not that you can do some things good and not some things good, that you can kind of live in a lukewarm Laodicean kind of morass, that, that you know you can be kind of okay and not kind of okay. And, and some of your good things, I really appreciate. It's not what he's saying. There's a, there's a definite finality here. It's like a gavel drops. Without me, you can do nothing, nothing. Zip, nada, it's done, nothing. If that wasn't enough, I just want to close today by by reading you the next verse and just asking a couple questions that we'll talk about next week. And this is the bad news. He's told us that he's the vine and he's told us his father is the vine dresser. He's told us that you and I are branches. He told us that if we don't bear fruit, that the Father takes us away. We don't know what he does when he takes us away, but we do know he takes those branches away, those fruitless branches. We do know that the way to bear fruit, much fruit for the Father's glory, is to stay connected and abiding in Christ. Because without us doing that, we can do nothing. And if we stay connected to Christ, then we'll be able to to bear this abundant harvest, which will give the vine glory and be the glory of the vine dresser, which is our purpose in life. And now we have a choice. We have a choice. Do we rest in him or not? Do we abide in him or not? Do we remain steadfast and unwavering in our commitment to him with our heart, our mind, our will, our volition, everything about us or not? Do we Are we totally committed and totally consecrated or do we hedge our bet and kind of, yeah, kind of maybe and maybe not? The choice is up to us. And the Lord knows that. And I'm sure he was looking at his disciples and maybe there was a pause between verse five and verse six. But here's what he says in verse six. For those who choose to live the lukewarm Laodicean lifestyle where this world becomes our home. If anyone 
does not abide in me. He's already told us that if we do abide in him, that we will bear much fruit and that without abiding in him, we can't do anything. But he says now that if anyone does not abide in me, he, the branch, is cast out as a branch and withered. Now, verse 2 says that the vine dresser, God the Father, takes us away, and those branches that do bear fruit, he prunes, which is sometimes a painful process. But here he says that he is cast out as a branch and withers, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. We know that. A branch just becomes a, a stick, a really worthless piece of stick because it's not strong enough. The wood's not strong enough to make furniture with or to use as a cane or something of that nature. They just gather them together and worth and, and burn them as, as something worthless because a branch that is disconnected from the vine and is withered and doesn't bear any fruit is worth nothing. But I look at this verse and I'm, I'm wondering, who does the casting out? And who are they who gathers them for burning? Parallels to Matthew in there, but we'll talk about that next week. Remember, in closing, the only function of a branch is to bear fruit. And the scripture says not to be satisfied with just bearing fruit, but just more fruit and much fruit. And this is only accomplished by abiding in the vine. Our only function is to allow the Lord to bring glory to his Father through us. That is the only reason why we exist. The only reason why he created us. He didn't create us to to do the stuff that we want to do, to to move up the corporate ladder and have the corporation named after us. I mean, he didn't create us for those reasons. That's just transitory. He didn't create us to be celebrities or stars or, or anything like that. The only thing he created us to do is bear fruit. And how he chooses to do that, maybe through our workplace or, or however he chooses, is up to him. The vine chooses the fruit, but our job is to stay connected to the vine. And if we understand the importance of fruit bearing, then it all makes sense. The only function that we have is to allow the Lord to bring glory to his Father through us, through fruit bearing and us staying connected to the vine. And that is only accomplished by us choosing on a day by day, hour by hour in my own life. It's almost a minute by minute basis to remain united with him, not to do anything to grieve him in heart and mind and will, and to to remain steadfast and unwavering in that relationship. So, as we close, let me ask you just a few questions. Again, does this describe your relationship with him? And if it doesn't, do you want it to? Do you live for the purpose of bearing more and more fruit, whatever the personal cost for his glory? Doesn't matter what happens to me as long as the Lord Jesus is magnified. Is that our mantra and our cry? Or and I've struggled with this in my own life, are we fearful of the pruning process and what might have to be removed from our life that detracts from his fruit bearing? Think about that. If my entire focus in life is to bear fruit, then everything in my life that isn't fruit bearing and detracts from that, part of the pruning process is cutting that away. So my mind and my energies and my focus is not 
overwhelmed by the hours I spend on Facebook or looking at YouTube videos or watching movies or something kind of crazy like that or trying to foster relationships with people for personal gain of those people that don't even share the values that I have. All that is cut off and it's a painful process. And many times we don't want to embrace all of Christ in totality because we know if we are a branch and we do bear fruit, he's going to just prune us back so we bear more. And so are we fearful of that pruning process and what we might have to give up? Once again, the only purpose for the branch is to bear fruit from the vine. That's it. And I ask you this week to ask the Lord what that says about your life in the here and now. Everything that you do, is it fruit bearing? And if it is, he'll bear more fruit. And if it's not, have you prayed and asked him to begin the pruning process of cutting it away? So the life and hours and and time that he's given you can be devoted to him and him alone and not many times our fruitless adventures. Let me read these passages one more time and then we'll close. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Well, what do we do, Lord? Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Unless it abides in a vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Would you pray about that this week? And next Sunday, if we're able to meet together corporately at church, will you share what God has done in your life to turn you into a fruit-bearing branch for Him? I, for one, would love to hear your experience with our Father. Let me pray. 